0: Ladies and gentlemen, we're expecting some moderate turbulence.
1: Please remain seated and enjoy the show. Hello. And welcome to Moderate Turbulence. I'm Jeremy. I'm Adele. Hi, Adele. Oh, she's (laughs) licking my fingers.
0: Oh, So Roxy is on (laughs) Adele's lap, of course, and she's being cute.
1: Because I just had peanut butter, so she uh, was interested in leftovers on my finger, (laughs) (laughs) which are clean, but they probably Mm -hmm. still smell like it.
0: Um, so, how are you? <laughs> What's going on?
1: Um, well, we just came back from walking Roxy. We finished our research for this episode just this morning. And uh, we're going to talk about it.
0: Yeah, so uh, today we're reviewing the Netflix sort of documentary movie uh, called Downfall, The Case Against Boeing. And we thought this would be interesting, almost as a follow-up to uh, the episode we did uh, on the 737, when we discussed the MAX and the crashes that it had.
1: Yeah, but is there anything else you want to talk about? Or should we just get right into it?
0: We can get right into it.
1: Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so we started watching it last night um, after coming home from work. We were uh, both tired after a long day. Yesterday was a hard, uh, a hard, annoying day. You know, one of those days where just like, ugh, can it be over? <laughs> And then we finished by watching this, you know, heart-wrenching documentary, which was
0: whew. I mean, it's sad. It played uh, played on the feelings quite a bit. Uh just, you know, talking about all the families that were that lost loved ones in the two crashes of the 737 Max.
1: Yeah, because they um I mean, we talked about it, but in case you haven't watched it yet, uh, we're gonna talk about this um we're going to talk about the documentary Downfall uh, in quite a bit of detail. So if you don't want, you know.
0: Spoilers. <laughs> yeah.
1: Which we, I mean, you know what happened. It's it's real life. But uh, if you want to watch it without uh, any specifics, um, pause this, go watch that and then come back to listen to our episode. If not, just uh, keep on listening. Uh, the documentary starts out with, um, so Lion Air Flight 610. Uh, which was flying from Jakarta, Indonesia, to...
0: I forget the final destination, but...
1: Another yeah. another part of Indonesia? I think so. Um, yeah, so it, uh, it was in October of 2018. Yeah, October of 2018. And, of course, these aircrafts had, you know, just recently been delivered a couple months prior. You know, the brand-new planes and when it crashed um you know nobody wanted to blame boeing um nobody you know and anybody um could have fathomed that it was the plane's fault this brand new amazing state of the art yeah yeah this 737 max just delivered you know it's not the plane's fault so they were um they're interviewed interviewing the captain's wife so widow and she was saying they started doing the blame game and they were blaming the airline. They were blaming, um,
0: pilot uh, training, pl-
1: pilot training. And yeah. then they were blaming the crew, the specific crew of that flight. And, yeah. you know, as a loved one, it was just like so heart wrenching. Imagine you lost your husband, father, brother, sister, whoever on that plane. And then they start blaming them for their death and
0: they were saying things like uh like oh if this happened in in the u.s it would it would never have happened because of the training that the pilots get and things like that and so she went on to say he actually finished his pilot training the captain of that flight he finished his pilot training in the u.s so that kind of makes that statement null and void like
1: yeah and it's uh it's just a lot to see of course we knew what happened but when you see it all when you see it happen on the news it's okay this plane crashed and 189 people uh, passed away. yeah it's it's a tragedy but you don't feel the impact when it's just another number on the news yeah when you watch a detailed documentary about it, it just you know hits home and when you have the loved ones talking about it showing pictures and talking about exactly having people blame the captain about of that flight on you know his incompetence you know which of course wasn't i did air quotes there but imagine you're living through that trying to process the death you're grieving and then you have people blaming uh your husband yeah for the death for his death but uh, the death of 188 other people on that flight so you know the investigation started and then you have and then you the documentary i think was very very well done because you have a a lot of pilots that were interviewed, a lot of and
0: including uh, they had Sully there as well. So we heard from you know Captain Chelsea Sullenberger, who is famous for the landing on the Hudson, uh, and then the whole incident there. You know we, we all know Tom Hanks played him in the the movie Sully. Um, so he was there. He was part of some of the hearings that they showed footage of, uh, and then obviously he gave his opinion sort of after the fact as well.
1: Yeah, and it's just you know all the pilots were just. We've never, um, well, essentially, we'll get into it. But what started to come up was this MCAS software, uh, in the um, Boeing 737 MAX eight and nine, um, computers. Uh, the MCAS software was added. Uh, it was something new that was never on any other plane, but the pilots weren't aware of its existence. Mm -hmm. So if it would kick in in flight, the pilots weren't. Tr- like aware of it and they didn't really know what to do if it happened. Yeah. So, you know, the pilots and the people that were being interviewed in this documentary were just flabbergasted about the fact that this plane was put in operation with this software that, you know, it's not just a thing that will light up a light. It takes over the aircraft's controls and does something to it. And if you're not aware as a pilot flying the plane that this thing can take over and what it does, the full extent of what the MCAS does, mm-hmm. that's insane. And that's just, yeah, that's what led essentially to the downfall <laughs> of those two planes.
0: Yeah. So as the documentary sort of goes along, they, they highlight, okay, they have this new MCAS uh, piece of software is supposed to counteract the nose going up too much because… They wanted to create the aircraft with no additional pilot training. So they added this software to counteract the need for pilot training, but they never told anybody about it. They never told anybody what it's going to do, how it works. Uh, and so if something failed on it, that's where it knows down. So basically, Boeing was coming out with statements saying, nope, the 737 MAX is a safe aircraft. Everything is great with it. This is, of course, after just the Lion Air accident. And then uh, what was it? The Ethiopian crash was uh, March tenth of twenty nineteen. So I think it was nineteen weeks later after the the first crash yeah. of this state of the art brand new aircraft. The second one happens. They attribute it to MCAS right away, and it was within three days of that that they grounded the entire seven thirty seven Max fleet.
1: Yeah, they started. They showed that China was the first um, country to ground them, and then they just followed through through Asia and then through Europe and Africa. And, of course, over in North America, the States and Canada were the pretty much the last Some ones. Some of the last ones to do to, it, yeah. To ground them. And, I mean, we've told the the story before. Of I was on the plane when it happened. And I didn't fully realize the full extent of it either until I watched a documentary. And that's really, yeah. really quite scary. And it was really emotional because it, it could have happened to us.
0: Yeah. And that's something like, I, I want to do a little more research now to see if... There was any instances of the MCAS kicking in wrongfully like it did on these two flights, these two fatal flights, to see if it happened and pilots were able to correct the error. Because I'll I'll just give you a quick little background of how the documentary explains MCAS. So new version of the aircraft for the reason why they didn't want any pilot training was because Airbus had just put out the Airbus 320neo and it was pretty much the same, just more efficient Uh, But there was no need for pilot training. So Boeing said, well, we have to do the same thing. They updated their 737, no additional training. But it was a longer plane, a longer fuselage with a heavier engine. So they had to place the engines differently on the wings.
1: Which was higher and and more forward.
0: Yeah. And because of that, the balance of the aircraft is a little bit different. So instead of saying, hey, let's train pilots on the new way this whole wing is working.
1: Well... The problem, um, just quickly to add here, so with the location of this engine on this new seven thirty seven max eight and nine, the um, engineers are the ones essentially building the the new Boeing's were scared that the no the aircraft would have a nose up attitude and then would stall. So then that's when the a- MCAS comes
0: in. Exactly. So because. Uh, so basically, instead of having to train pilots on the, the way the, the balance of the aircraft works, and they're scared, again, like you said, of too much of a nose up, that's where they said, we're going to add this MCAS. It's a little piece of software. Pilots don't even need to know about it, because all it's going to do is adjust the pitch of the nose to make sure it doesn't stall. Not a big deal. Yeah, the problem, sounds simple enough. Yeah, the problem was that what controls the whole MCAS system is the angle of attack sensor. And if that malfunctions and MCAS kicks in wrongfully, you have 10 seconds to disengage it, otherwise you're dead. Now, that sounds simple enough. Okay, I have 10 seconds, you know, one, 1,000, seconds, I can disengage it in 10 seconds. You don't know what you're disengaging. You were never told what the MCAS system was. You have no idea what to do when this thing kicks in and shoves the nose of the aircraft down towards the ground. 10 seconds or you're dead. But you don't know what it's all about. Like it's it's unbelievable.
1: Yeah, and then when they showed um, and talked about the Ethiopian crash, so that was going from Addis Ababa to Nairobi yeah. in Kenya. They, um, the uh, the black box recordings showed that the pilots did in fact disengage MCAS. So, yep. and then in the documentary, they the pilots they tried to about blame it. them again. No, the pilots talking about. It, they said they did what they had to do. Yeah. The kid did what he had kid to do. Kid got it right. The kid got it right. Yeah. But they still crashed. So you know, it's there's not yeah. much you could do at that point, essentially, unless you were manually flying the plane from the beginning, and the MCAS wouldn't have kicked in at all. Yeah. Or you disengaged it right away.
0: Yeah. It's it's pretty unbelievable that they tried to push all this through without without the need for additional pilot training which like i understand but now you're sacrificing lives to save a few bucks that's what it i mean a few bucks we're talking in the billions of dollars but you know they knew about it as the documentary goes on they knew about the MCAS system there was meetings internally within Boeing where they talked about the MCAS system and how they said oh we're we're just going to say it's an extension of a of a previous system on the aircraft uh, rather than introduce a new system that would need additional training. Internally, we're just going to use the acronym MCAS. So like they knew, they knew there was an issue. And if there's one little thing that happened with that angle of attack sensor, it was fatal. And so the pilots that were on the documentary said, you don't know, it could be one of those balloons that gets stuck on there and now it's messing up the sensor. It could be foreign object debris that hits the sensor and knocks it off altogether. Like you don't know. Something happens to that one sensor And it was fatal for, obviously, these two aircraft.
1: Yeah. And then the um, Lion Air uh, captain's widower, she was talking about his additional training for the 737 MAX. And it was, you know, something he did on his iPad to kind of showcase the quick little differences and changes that were made, which essentially in Boeing's eyes at that time was very, very minimal, which only needed a quick video tutorial that you could watch on your own personal device. And she says there was no mention of MCAS. And that's what they show on the um, documentary as well, is that the new quote unquote training additional information that these pilots had for the max didn't even mention MCAS. So they had, the slight extra information, but didn't even talk about MCAS. So they really were hiding it and really making an effort to not disclose it.
0: Yeah. And it was like they had to, it was the, you know, in the courts when they had to actually fork over all the documentation uh, with all the internal emails, talking about MCAS, talking about, you know, what to do. They knew about it. They knew that the MCAS system could potentially fail or and I say when I say fail, I mean take over the plane improperly and nose it down, and yet they still claimed it's a safe aircraft. Uh, the documentary did go on to talk about how the practices at Boeing used to be amazing. You know, if there was any concern with anything, it was reviewed. They did a really great job with all of that, and then after the merger of Boeing with McDonnell Douglas, that's when things started getting a little shady. They started. Concentrating more on profits and less on safety and security of the aircraft, and And there was
1: a lot of layoffs, and you know jobs were lost and stuff. And then I just kept thinking of that incident that we talked about with McDonnell Douglas, and how there was some cover up, I remember, and Mm -hmm. some shady stuff happening when we talk. I don't remember. What that incident was about, but it was something that was covered up and shady. And I was like, "Oh no, I didn't! I didn't realize they were with Boeing now." So that's you know extra suspicious.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Cue the TikTok song.
0: <laughs> Don't be <laughs> suspicious. Don't be suspicious.
1: Oh my god, it's so yeah. It's it, it's an insane too that these this company builds commercial jetliners that are in operation daily. Mm-hmm um all around the world millions of people fly on them yeah and that they that this is happening
0: yeah there behind was, the um, scenes yeah there was a quote uh that you actually wanted me to write down from the air uh, from the aircraft from the documentary um and it was uh, a pilot talking about other pilots flying the aircraft so this was after the grounding so after the second crash mm-hmm, and there, then
1: they had to. You know, you can't just ground the planes and then just leave them all around the world. No reason. You have to put them somewhere.
0: Yeah, they all have to go somewhere. So um, they had to fly them to certain areas for storage, basically. And so the quote from the pilot said, and I quote, when a pilot doesn't want to fly a brand new Boeing, that's an issue. Unquote.
1: Yeah, and that just hit hard when you hear that. And it's just, you know, these pilots... You go through years of training, years of flying experience, and you get, you know, eventually a position, maybe in a commercial airline, and then you get these beautiful planes from Airbus and Boeing. Mostly, that's what we fly, you know. Airbus and Boeing is what we have in most airlines right now. Those are the big jetliner um, manufacturers. That's
0: the two biggest, yeah, in the world.
1: And when you hear these pilots, they don't want to fly these planes, you know. They're the ones who are trained on them. They're the ones who have the experience and they're the ones who don't want to fly them.
0: Yeah, that's an issue. So now I know we've probably scared some people if you're still listening. Um, I flew on the Boeing 737 Max two days ago. I'm not going to lie. Every time I fly on it, I sort of take a look around and I'm like, what if? But at the same time, I still feel safe.
1: Yeah, I mean they were grounded for 18 months. 20. 20 months. Um so they did re-evaluate all the software and everything and then they the FAA got involved of course and um they made them safe again. Yeah. And they were
0: like very harshly scrutinized every little bit of code
1: mm-hmm. on the
0: aircraft. Yeah. And then
1: the pilots were retrained on them and um now they're back in operation i've operated on on them um during my couple months of recall since recall and of course yeah we we fly them constantly between vancouver and calgary because that's all the most common
0: aircraft there yeah
1: yeah i mean right now to be honest my biggest issue with uh, the 737 max is that they don't uh, have room for a little pom-pom in business class
0: (laughs) yeah so so that being said, nowadays, yes, I feel, I feel far safer, uh, but it's definitely an error that Boeing knew about, a potential error that Boeing knew about that caused the deaths of over 300 people wrongfully. And at the end of the, the movie, it shows how the FAA sued Boeing, basically saying they were covering up a potential error. And in the end, Boeing just had to pay two point five billion dollars in fines, and yeah. no criminal charges. They got off. To me, they got off scot free.
1: Yeah, they they paid that money to avoid criminal prosecution, is what the documentary said at the yeah. end. Which is like, I mean,
0: wait, did I say million?
1: I think you said billion. Okay, two point five billion. Two point five yeah. billion, which is yeah, for an aircraft manufacturer probably is pennies i mean they the for sure lost a lot of money with mm. all that happened you know imagine all the airlines going back at them and saying hey Canceling you gave us and- these you know bad planes how dare you yeah but you know and you have the day you can't bring back those lives that were lost and all those families that you know the the second crash you have the dad of one of the um the victims the victims um, talking about, you know, he woke up in the middle of the night because uh, his wife was telling him, I think our daughter was on uh, this flight from Addis Ababa to Nairobi that just crashed. Yeah. So imagine you wake up like that, you know, or you're waiting for your call from your husband saying, oh, I just landed, you know, the regular, you know, yep. airline industry. Oh, I just landed. You always text me when you land. Yep. So, Yeah. It's just, I was crying on the couch last night as yeah. we were watching. I couldn't, you can't not cry. And then I think of like, what if my mom got this call? Yeah. Like, it's like watching the documentary, um, what's it called? Nirja. About um, the Pan Am hijacking. Yep. Oh, that hits hard. That hits real hard. Yeah. uh yeah. Then,
0: you know, I, and again, like, We're both teaching initial training right now so we're teaching brand new flight attendants all the procedures but like the the hardest part is in an incident like this there's no procedure
1: well there's nothing the cabin crew can do like the cabin crew are not mentioned because there's nothing that they would have had to be aware of and there's nothing they could have done absolutely nothing so they would have been in their jump seats probably still at that point and then they would have probably felt something gone wrong. But well, at that been, point, yeah. it would have just, you know, they they probably would have realized it. But then they would have crashed before mm-hmm. anything else happened. And then that's it.
0: So uh going to ask a question to all of you out there. How would you feel flying the Boeing 737 MAX today? Again, we've done it countless times since they've been back in operation. Uh, I still, every time I get on it, I still kind of have a little sigh like... What if? But uh, but I still feel safe on it. Uh, and that being said, things are starting to ease up finally with COVID regulations. Do you feel safe flying on an aircraft with all the current COVID regulations?
1: Yeah, and uh, that's also kind of a question for um, because of Todd. You know, we did see your message, Todd. We uh, yeah. sorry we didn't answer you, but um, I did. Really?
0: Oh, maybe not on our chat.
1: Okay, <laughs> I just opened it the other day and it was unanswered. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he he has concerns, and you know he has a family. So, and I'm sure he's not the only one out there who's hesitant to travel, to go on an airplane, to be in a crowded space. Um, you know, post COVID, we're still kind, of, we're still in COVID, but you know we're edging towards post COVID times. Yeah. Um, I mean, we went on vacation, but it's still, you know, the, the restrictions are easing up here and there and people are clearly tired of wearing masks and abiding by these rules, Mm -hmm. but it's also, they're still in place and it's still like follow the rules or just stay home. Like, I'm just tired of this. Like if you don't want to follow the rules, like why are you out and about? Yeah. Like the restrictions will ease up. Like in Calgary, there's no masks anymore.
0: It was it was incredible. I was in Calgary on the weekend and I went for lunch with Trevor, you know, friend of the podcast, Trevor. And uh, what was the quote? We felt like criminals walking into a restaurant with no mask on. But those, the, you know, no masks are required in Calgary anymore. So.
1: so are the workers, employees wearing masks?
0: Some of them did. Some of them didn't. Okay, interesting. Yeah, wow. Not required.
1: Yeah, I didn't go to Calgary this weekend, so I I didn't experience that. But, you know, it's just if you if you want to wear no mask, then go to Calgary. But if you live in Vancouver, you still have to wear a mask Then wear a mask. Yeah. Like, it's just at this point, it's just frustrating. Yeah. Because we're at that edge. We know it's like, oh, people don't really care anymore, but it's still a rule. But people are kind of doing what they want. And I'm just like, as a rule follower, it irks me to see that because I'll always wear my mask if it's a rule to wear my mask. Yeah. But then seeing others just not following the rules and it not being enforced on them as well. is just
0: uh, it's frustrating. Yeah. yeah.
1: It's just annoying. Anyways, that took kind of a turn there, but uh, <laughs> I think we both would highly recommend watching this documentary. It's yeah. very informative. It's about an hour and a half, yeah. just under an hour and a half, but it goes by really quickly because uh, it's just, Information after information. It's just, it's heart wrenching. So be prepared. Uh, Obviously, it's talking about these tragic plane crashes. So it's not going to, it's not a happy documentary. Um, but honestly, most documentaries, I'm not really all that happy. (laughs) Um, and then, uh, yeah, we'll see you. Uh, we'll see you. We'll hear you interact with you again. You'll see us hear us again next week, uh, as per usual. And if you're out there flying,
0: Always be nice to your flight attendants.
1: Because they might have to save your butt one day.
0: Thanks, everybody. Goodbye.
1: Goodbye. (laughs) Thanks for listening. Don't forget to rate and review wherever you listen to podcasts. We have new episodes every Wednesday. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Moderate Turbulence on Instagram, at Mod Turbulence on Twitter, and follow us individually on Instagram at Huffy J and at La V. Thank you.